us as a people to start making some changes. Let's change the way we eat, let's change the way we live, and let's change the way we treat each other. You see, the old way wasn't working, and so it's on us to do what we gotta do to survive. I hope I see more changes, and I believe we can know it become. If we all come together as one, make it better for our sons and our daughters being brought up in this harsh world. Yeah, it's hard, but we can't turn backwards. Put your faith in the practice, escape from the cage you've been trapped in and free yourself. Hello, and welcome to episode two of Justice Social, the podcast. Our guest today is Vaughan Williams, who is our inaugural, inaugural guest here. Thanks for coming in, Vaughan. Vaughan is a AOD youth worker with the Youth U program. He's a director of the Victorian Brotherhood, which does male support and suicide awareness. He is the vice president of Peninsula Dolphins Rugby League Club, and he is a father of one delightful young man. By way of introduction today, I'm going to play a welcome to country performed by my daughter. Um, it's something she learnt at three-year-old kinder um, and I'll just play that now. So Pearl still has some difficulties with the word acknowledge, um, but I really loved that welcome to country. It's just a reminder of how simple things can be kept. Um, she's learning about her own place in the world and um, it reflects her connection to the land, the universe, her community and herself, her own spirit. Um, I remember in the lead up to my first Koori Court appearance when I learned I was expected to do an acknowledgement of country and I was absolutely petrified um, in the presence of respected aunties and uncles from the community and um, I just was really worried I was going to get something wrong or um, offend someone. And what I've learned is that it's a thought that counts and as long as we're curious and open to learning, people are happy to help and educate and if three-year-olds can do it, so can we all. In line with that, there's been a, a public holiday recently and everyone loves a public holiday, but it's a public holiday that I certainly felt this year um, is marred by some controversy um, and it's hard to celebrate when you're aware that um, the date of that particular public holiday upsets some members of the community. Um, and while this isn't really a topic for today, Vaughan and I, whilst we are proud Australians, are both varying shades of white and Caucasian. Um, and it's a conversation that I hope to have probably at a later date with um, somebody who knows more about it. Um, but just in acknowledgement and um, to open the show today, I'd just like to play a song. Hi, everybody. This is Wit from Spiderbait. When I'm passing through Karam, aside from slowing down to 50 kilometres an hour and reminisces about doing the Eel Race Road Rumba or the Watley Street Wiggle, I like to tune in to Radio Karen and get down with the good vibes. So um, Vaughan and I have a family and social connection. We have kids the same age who are cousins and they've shared um, aspects of their childhood. Vaughan has also had some contact with the criminal justice system and has been a client of mine previously. 
He was a participant in the ARC program at the Magistrates Court, which I hope to spend some time talking about today. It's a program that I'm a, a massive fan of and Vaughan was a star participant in that program. And he's gone on to achieve some incredible things in the last few years, um, which we will have a chat about today. So just by way of background, Vaughan grew up in South Gippsland, Warnington Peninsula area. He came from a good family, but had some trauma. He lost a couple of brothers in motor vehicle accidents at young ages. Um, he had some behavioural difficulties as a young man and has is self-identifies, I think, as a substance abuser from a, from a young age. He was himself in a serious motor vehicle accident in 2005 and has an acquired brain injury as a result of that. He later became a single father. He's got a child with some complex needs, including PTSD, that he's struggled to access um, support for. And all this culminated... Um, a few years ago now in some contact with the criminal justice system. But he's come through the other side of that and he's now a drug and alcohol worker with the Youth U program. Um, he's got some involvement in, in the Victorian Brotherhood and we'll talk about both of those organisations um, and their role, I guess, in, in Vaughan's journey. Um, he's completed... A number of qualifications in the field of youth and AOD and mental health um, and has become incredibly involved in community sport and a leader in those fields, um, particularly rugby league and, and is a avid marathon runner <laughs> now from what I see in social media um, and always on the verge of inspiring me to uh, improve my own fitness um, and exercise regime. Um, my interest in Vaughan is that he is someone that has faced what I would characterise as some social disadvantage. He has an ABI and we know that people with ABIs are um, drastically overrepresented in the criminal justice system and in the prisons. Um, an RMIT study found that 2% of Australians have acquired brain injuries, 42% of male prisoners in Victoria have acquired brain injuries. He has been a single parent and a single father, which in itself has presented it presented some challenges for him. Um, and there are various financial and social implications of that, uh, which he has struggled through and, and overcome. So he has a lived experience of disadvantage and has had some contact with the criminal justice system. But from, from the outside, it looked like flipped it around almost immediately and found his support networks and flourished in them um, and has been inspired to go on and support others. Um, also, as my first guest, it um, was important for me to have someone that can hold a brave conversation and isn't going to shy away from the difficult topics and I couldn't think of anyone better to have to, to get the show on the road. So is there anything that you want to add to from the introduction there, Vaughan? Oh, it would be good to get into a few things, but um, sure. definitely like, the art court is brilliant, um, the way they do it, um, and, and the history of um, like so social injustice type of thing and disadvantage. Um, it's good the way to find purpose to actually be able to flip that around. Yeah. We might start with ARC, um, just because that's the area that I'm the, the most comfortable and familiar mm. with. But as lawyers, I guess our role in ARC is quite limited. So we um, turn up 
with you at the start and get the referral in. We'll turn up if there's some, any issues along the road. Um, but the heavy lifting, I think, is done by the participants um, in conjunction with the support services that are provided. So can you perhaps tell us a little bit about your experience of that? Oh, it was really good to get through the art court system um, because um, of my charges. I was charged with um, trafficking and weapon charges and driving offences. Um, and I was arrested in Roeville. Um, so originally I tried to get into the, um, into the drug courts, but I didn't live in the area. Um, that's a big thing with, um, I think, things like that need to change with it. Yeah. But it was really good because I, I had to plead guilty to several of my charges to go through the art court system. Um, and I love the way they do it because it works. It's basically doing a CCO backwards. So basically you've got to go in there um, and they do certain programs that you do um, with, with counsellors, um, get you involved in the community with certain things. Um, that's not doing community service. It's just doing community things for yourself to find yourself. Um, and I think that it's a really good way of doing it rather than sentence someone, you put them on a CCO, um, you're going to re-offend because you've got no incentive mm. of why to do it. Because with the charges that I got, I thought that I was going to do a bit of jail time um, through those offences. Um, and still by the end of art court, I did. But um, I did all my courses through there. Uh, and at the start of it, I was like humming and hurrying to do my courses. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to jail anyway. Um, but they were very um, helpful through the whole, whole system and supportive. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's that accountability, isn't it, of having to turn up every month um, and in art court, for anyone that doesn't know, you, you sit around the table generally with the magistrate at the table, with a prosecutor, with your lawyer if they're there um, and with the um, your ARC worker. So it's um, a collaborative approach really to, to problem solving and to trying to divert people um, away to address the issues that underlie the offending behaviour. Just to go back a step, ARC stands for Assessment and Referral Court. I should have um, clarified that. And it's a program that is available to people that have um, an ABI, as in Vaughan's case, or intellectual disability, or a diagnosed mental health condition. Um, and the aim of it generally is to, to address what has brought the person into contact with the criminal justice system and um, try and sort of forge a, a better path and a better way forward. Um, so w were you 12 months, around 12 months in the program, Vaughan? Um, before I started ARC. In, in ARC. Uh, How long I, were you in, uh, in the ARC court I, I, for? I think I was in ARC for a, a couple of years. Yeah, it might have been <laughs> a little bit longer. And it is normally a 12-month program, but there is some capacity to have a shorter or longer program. And the big problem was we were in the middle of COVID. Yeah. Um, when I got arrested was about three months before COVID hit and we were all in lockdown. But the best thing about that is, like you said, the collaborative approach um, is a thing that society do wrong about people with drug addiction or mental health issues. They punish and sit there and go, you're a junkie, piss off, rather than go, well, let, let, let's put a collaborative approach and bring some purpose back into your life, mm. um, which the art court, they get you to do certain things and it gives you an incentive not just showing up to appointments, actually showing up there and because they write reports on everything you do. So you actually show up and put the effort in there. Yeah. Um, and if you want to change, it's the right way. I think most of the criminal justice system should work in the ARC court system. I've faced um, sentencing and stuff through the magistrate's court in general. 
um, and it's not the same sort of system at all. Mm. Um, a big part of that, though, I suppose, is the if you want to change part, isn't it? Because yeah. it only works um, if you are willing to put in the work. And it, it, it is hard work. I've had clients that have given ARC a go and decided that it's easier to just to go to jail for a little while, do a couple of months, come out with a clean slate. So um, it's a great system. It's very well resourced, but um, it does require a lot of work for, from the participants and, and you certainly put that work in and took every opportunity. Um, I think there were some, some challenges here and there along the way and um, that's part of the, the process and the journey, I guess, and that's accepted in that jurisdiction. Another part, um, as I understand it, that was crucial in your um, turnaround was the Glen Munso Youth U program. Tell us about that. So, again, going back to the day I was arrested, or the day I was released from the cells, um, I had to tell my family what was going on. Um, they obviously knew there was some substance abuse problems and stuff because I was dealing drugs and things like that. But... Um, they were going to a meeting with Glenn Munso at um, Hallam, the youth youth program. Um, so I'm like, I'll give it a try. Um, I went in there and met Glenn. Um, and what I loved about it is he actually got it. Someone with lived experience has experienced that himself. Um, Glenn Munso is um, an author of Drugs Don't Discriminate and I Quit Drugs Now What? Um, and uh, uh, he runs and created the youth youth program. Um, but I, I met him and felt like he got it. Um, I've dealt with AOD workers and AOD counsellors in the past. Um, and this is no offence to anybody, but if you've come out straight out of uni that have never experienced it, how can you tell me how to get off drugs or what's going on? Mm. Um, and the approach from someone that's got lived experience understands this underlying trauma and stuff like that. Like I, I'll get into that later with that yep. sort of stuff of what I, what I do for work. Um, but I started doing the program. Um, I wanted to change. I remember sitting in the um, cells, um, as um, Claire mentioned before, I'm a, a single father of my son and my son um, wasn't very old at that stage. Um, and I sat there and bawled my eyes out, not the fact that I thought I was going to jail, it was the fact that I'd lose my son. Mm. So that was a big motivation. So I started doing the um, Glenn Munso program, uh, the youth youth program with Glenn Munso, um, which puts in um, clinically uh, clinical approaches as well as active lifestyle and finding your purpose, finding who you should be. Um, and that's what I found with the art court did as well and the youth program did that. Um, helped me find out more about myself and become myself more and more. And I, I love being involved in the community and I didn't really know that before yeah. then. Um, being someone that had used drugs from a young teenager um, and had substance abuse problems for by the time I got arrested over half of my life, um, there was no purpose in my life. Mm. Um, and I found purpose doing that, active lifestyle, doing things. I remember the first time I did boxing, I'd been, I think it was like five days released from the cells. I was just, I reckon I spewed 20, 30 times. Out of the <laughs> I tell my clients this all the time when I run them through sessions. I'm like, I remember coming out there, coming down off drugs and just spewing up, spewing up and just, and what you talked about before about wanting to change, you've got to want to change. I say this to my clients all the time. There's a difference about showing up than actually showing up and putting the effort in. And things things are a rocky road when you go through it. Um, but I, I did that program um, for um, the time I did it. Um, and I did it the second time. I did it two, 
two sessions of the program. The second time was more because I really enjoyed what I was doing. Um, and then I was offered a job by Glenn um, because of how well I did and um, how I worked with all the other people and was a leader with the other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I um, do that now. I'm a coach for Youth U and I absolutely love doing what I do. Um, and it's giving people a chance. <coughs> um, I'm giving people finding who they are. Um, a lot of people sit there and go, at first you hear it all the time. Um, the people sit there and identify, oh, I'm a drug addict. Mm. What benefit does that make anyone? Like so, so, yeah. so, Society throw this label on people. They're people. They're real people. I remember I was doing a talk. I did a talk of overcoming addiction with Glenn. Um, Rowan was there as well. Um, and... I said that in my talk that I don't I don't believe once a drug addict always a drug addict I reckon that's bullshit um, that's a label that society puts on this and talk about social um, social justice that's something that I think needs to change the stigma we're doing it with mental health we don't mm. do it with drug addiction um, which a lot of it's trauma based yeah um, but they asked me what if I don't identify myself as a drug addict what do I identify myself as and I'm like Vaughn like, that's what my name is yeah um so, so it's something that I push a lot with people is to find themselves. Um, I did a lot of study yep. during my recovery um, and did my own studies. Like the system in place in the government system for addiction and stuff, parts of it are good, parts of it I reckon are crap and fucking should be changed. Yeah. Um, but I, I did a lot of research with um, Gabor Mate um, and Johan Hari and read all the that sort of stuff and I agree completely finding connection and finding purpose is how you create change and a big part of it I think as well is um, social connection so for people that have been substance users for a long time that becomes their their romantic relationships are often with other substance users their social relationships are with other substance users so to stop can be very isolating and that's a, a problem that we see coming up over and over again that, you know, you, you might be clean for four months but you get so lonely and so bored. Whereas it looks like um, with the Youth You program that you're building new friendships and you're building pos- a positive environment to be able to to share your journey with other people that have similar experiences but have different goals and, and different um, outcomes that they're after in life. D- d- definitely. It builds a community within a community um, because it, the, the hardest thing... Like, the, the substance isn't really the issue, and, and in in program when I'm working with people, we don't really talk about the drugs. Like we talk about trying to minimise and trying trying to get off, but the real actual things is the stuff that has caused why they're feeling like that. And talk about the isolation. That's why people in the first like six after six weeks after they're clean off the drugs, to six months is like the biggest danger period because they're like, mm. oh, I'm right, but they use it because they want to be social. And yeah. I, I, I agree completely with that. Um, and there's something that I talk a lot with my clients, the difference between attachment and connection. Yeah. Which the, the, around the drugs, it's actually attachment because they're wanting to fulfill something and have an end, but be, be attached to it rather than connection, go with the flow. Um, and that comes down with research I've done that connection, people that connect with things, it's about building your self-esteem. People with low self-esteem will attach to things because I think something else needs to make them feel better and make them feel happy. Yeah. Um, and like with, with the fitness and finding who they are, finding the things they love, it's so rewarding to, to watch someone f- 
remember the things they loved when they were a kid and stuff like that. For, for me, I, I wouldn't be... I never thought that I'd be playing rugby league. Yeah. I never thought I'd be um, a president of a rugby league club or working with juniors to help them in rugby league to do the stuff I do with Youth You because I found my purpose. Yeah. Um, and my, my talk about overcoming addiction um, last year was all about finding your purpose because you need to find, have purpose there and you build connections through that. But the start of the road, like you said, is a very lonely one. You'd see mm. through the court system is a very lonely thing because your environment's everything. If you, if you put yourself in a good environment, but to find that environment, especially in a society that looks at someone that goes, oh, you've been charged with drug trafficking, you've been charged with violent offences, you're a bad person. Yeah. There's a lot beyond that. And even talking about art courses, they peel the layers to find out those sort mm. of things rather than just go, no, nah, here's your time, this is what you are. It's about who you who you really are underneath. Like, yeah. yeah. There's shit things that happen in our life. Like, People that know me and know what kind of person I am wouldn't think that I, 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 I used to deal drugs, I used to bash people for fun, and I used to do stuff like that yeah. because I was a very broken person and the system was very failing. I talk about the social disadvantages. Yeah. Um, and the fact now, now that I went through um, art court system and doing um, the program with Glenn, it helped me find those sort of things. Yeah. And now I've got the tools to actually go through it and I'd love to pass it on to people. Yeah. And that's where in, that, that social injustice comes in. They don't get taught these tools. Yeah. Uh, another source of support, I think, for you and, and another organisation that you remain involved with is the Victorian Brotherhood. Um, tell us a little bit about that organisation. Well, the Victorian Brotherhood was created May 2020. Um, and while I was at the early stages of my court appearances through ARC, um, I found the Victorian Brotherhood. Um, and again, this is a trigger warning for people. It's a very touchy subject, but I, I've, well, most people, they don't want to talk about it. It's another stigma like drug addiction and mental health, um, suicide. Um, the suicide rate, I believe at the moment, nine people every day in Australia die by suicide, seven males and two females. And this goes back to exactly what this is about, so social justice and the inequalities that people have and the struggles they have and not the resources to find it. The Victorian Brotherhood is a social media page. We're trying to be non-for-profit. It's a long way to, to be able to do it, especially with a whole bunch of volunteers trying to do it. Um, but it gives a safe place for men to talk. It's yep. social media. Um, it's moderated. So it's none of this, oh, fucking man up bullshit. It's people giving support and giving advice and helping each other giving a voice to talk. Um, so it's um, like a peer-based yeah. um, support system yeah. um, targeted particularly at suicide awareness or mental um, health issues? Just any mental health issues yeah. with men. It's, it's a men's only Facebook page. Um, you can follow it on – we have a, um, a normal page that anyone can follow, yep. um, but the, the private group can only be seen by members. Um, and if people – don't follow how it should be of supporting each other, they'll mm. get booted off the page. It's all about supporting each other and it gives a safe place to vent. So, But I, I came involved um, with it very early. Um, I'm with um, the guys involved, um, Josh Martin and Benny Mack, um, and I was trying to help them get clothes for homeless people. That's the reason why I started talking to them and I ended up becoming a moderator um, and became very highly involved. I was travelling... By public transport to unpack merchandise and stuff like that and be really involved um, I think it's a really good environment it's another thing about 
the inequalities of people not being able to have a place to go to mm. um, and the, a society of I, I know when I was younger it was um, men show no emotion or it'd be used against yeah. you you sit, sit down and shut up yeah um, so a lot of people don't talk it's so good to have it a place for men to actually speak yeah and, and look I guess men's groups have had a bad rap um, historically um, and there, there's been some some shockers out there but um, that that concept of changing the narrative around um, what masculinity is and how to be a um, a healthy mentally healthy safe man in our society um, if, if it's done in a positive way certainly isn't going to be able to, isn't going to do any harm is it no it's not and when you look at the the rate of suicide nine people every single day if it was anything else there'd be a big upcry about it mm. um, so talking about things is really important um, I, I know from what I do with um, the youth program I talk about addiction people open up to me about all these things that they wouldn't talk to anyone else because they feel like they're going to get judged. Mm. Same with suicide. I, I, I work with um, a few people that, because I'm very open about what I talk about, that everyone in one of the crews that I work with had been affected by suicide in one way or another and no one in that workplace knew about it to each other. Yeah. But because I, because I opened the conversation, I think that needs to happen more often. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be taboo subjects c- coming from any of those things. Yeah. Because it, 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 you'd have um, a lot less clients by um, doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, look, unfortunately, I've lost in the last couple of years a few um, a few clients. And I think Art Court in particular, because you're dealing with people with such complex um, mental health issues, um, sometimes it is something that, you know, will affect our clients and I, I have lost a few and it's um, it's always very sad. So it's um, certainly something that's worth having a, a conversation about. Now, I've asked you to pick a song for us today um, that reflects, I guess, what social justice means to you and, and your journey. Do you want to tell us a little bit about your song? Um, I chose a song by Bitter Belief um, from Western Australia. Um, if anyone, anyone follows Aussie hip hop, um, Western Australia's got the best Aussie hip hop in Australia at the moment um, the, with the SBX and TPW crew. Um, but I cho- chose Bitter Belief. As soon as um, Claire asked me, um, I said to her straight away, it's going to be a song by Bitter Belief. I don't know which song it's going to be. Um, and I had three songs by Bitter Belief. Um, which is Aaron DeVaz, um, again from Perth. Um, and this is one of the songs I, I, I directly asked him because I went and seen a concert of his a few days later. But um, he, a lot of his songs represent a lot of things in social justice. Um, and he was a social worker in Western Australia. Um, he's no longer doing that now. He's doing, spent a lot of time with his family. But a lot of his songs helped me through my recovery. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think this song, um, and if you guys want to, have a look at the film clip and stuff as well. Um, it's a good representation of social justice. Fantastic. All right. Well, I'm going to play a couple of station announcements and then we'll have a listen to Vaughan's song and we'll come back shortly. Hey, folks. Join us at the Radio Carum Trivia Night on Friday the 1st of March at the Carum Patterson Lake Sports Pavilion. 
Tickets are only $25 per person and includes entry into our door prize and a drink on arrival. Wonderful. Don't pass up this opportunity to win bragging rights for the rest of the year and win some fabulous prizes. Tickets are still available at Radio Caram's website, radiocaram.org. We'll see you there, folks. Hi, this is Matt Joe Gow, and you're listening to Radio Caram, which is local community internet radio. And uh, we were having a chat about community radio earlier and how important it is to Melbourne, how important it is to the scene here, the music scene, but also the wider community. So check out Radio Caram, tune in. All right, welcome back to Justice Social. We're talking to, to Vaughan Williams. Um, and we've been having a chat about um, the Youth U program, the Victorian Brotherhood, which have all been supports for Vaughan as he um, recovered from, or I guess has recovered now, but is it's a, it's an ongoing journey, I suppose, and he has ongoing involvement with those organisations. Um, and Vaughan has mentioned a few times um, trauma and the role of trauma in addiction um, tell us a little bit more about that, Vaughan. How has how has trauma affected your life, and how, um, on your personal journey, have you um, learned to overcome that? Oh, trauma. Um, well, the, the main trauma. There's obviously little bits of trauma all the way through, and trauma compounds on trauma. I, I have PTSD myself. Um, my son has PTSD as well. Um, but the early one that I remember, my brother died when I was 13 years of age, um, and. I was in a household that they didn't know how to deal with their own trauma. Yeah. So, so it became worse and it just spirals worse and worse. Um, and when you don't want to be present in your own life, um, because we talked about connection before, yeah. because you don't have the proper connections in your life, you find something that gives you connection. I've got air quotes here because you're on a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it gives you connection with air quotes, um, but it doesn't really give you that. It promises you that, but it doesn't. Yeah. But basically, you can't be present in your own life. So I, I started, um, it did start with drinking alcohol at school and stuff like that, to using drugs, to whatever I could use. Um, and then my uh, bits of traumas through that, my brother was stabbed. Um, um, my second brother was stabbed. Um, he survived um, and died a year later on a motorbike that was my second brother that died when I was 18 um, and I was a pretty loose person because I didn't deal with my trauma didn't understand how to didn't get the right supports um, and then I had a motor vehicle accident um, where I got um, damaged 30% of my brain in, a, in an accident um, had to learn how to do a lot of things again um, and the only thing I wanted to do was disconnect with life um, that, that, that trauma I, I didn't know how to deal with things and I found what I believed was a purpose, which was bullshit, of dealing drugs and acting like a thug because that's where I felt I got connection. Mm. Um, and the trauma I never, I thought I dealt with and it wasn't until I got off drugs when I got arrested this time. I, um, through that time, I'd been in and out of the um, criminal justice system um, with violence and things like that. Um, but this time... I actually got the help like doing the YouTube program and doing counselling and stuff like that. I actually processed what was going on and I actually never had dealt with 
that trauma. Yeah. But there's all traumas that built upon this. And anyone that's dealt with trauma at a young age, you do resort back to that that sad little 13-year-old kid when you have PTSD triggers. Um, but things you do, like the violence that I used to do to people and things like that, I have triggers from that. That was built up the trauma afterwards. Um being involved in a domestic violence relationship and stuff like that and the trauma that goes around that then becoming a single father those sort of things build the trauma on top of that again um, and we talk about this, the social justice side of things the inequalities with that that when I try to get my son supported as a single father even the domestic violence package that was government granted that anyone that had an intervention order or there was an intervention order um, put out to protect me and my son put out by the police that's all you had to have to get a grant to get a washing machine because I didn't have a washing machine at home um, and the, I can't even think of what place it was it was in, in the Frankston area I remember going there and they said well you can't get it mm. and I'm like well tell me and I'll, at the stage I used to go around um, to all the different places yeah. And just go, if they say no to me, I'll just go to the next one. Go to the next one. But I ran out of places. All the places that said no, they wouldn't help me and my son. Um, that sort of stuff. That yeah, the triggers. system wasn't designed yeah. for you, basically. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that, that just builds trauma upon trauma to be, because you, you're getting all the things that the society says is there is not actually there. And that was the whole way through my drug addiction in my 20s mm. to having it being a parent all these things that people said that was there I didn't see it was there because it wasn't accessible to me yeah yeah so how do you um, address that now let's talk a little bit about your current work and yep. what you're doing with yep. with youth you in yep. particular um, so that's mainly dealing with young people who have yeah oh it, it's range most of my clients range um, from teens to um, late 20s yeah. Um, I've dealt with younger clients um, and as, as someone that's got a young child that's 10 years old, um, dealing with some clients that are around that age with drug issues, um, I understand it because I was using drugs by, by 14 years of age. Yeah. Um, so seeing these kids, I really want to help them. But um, yeah, so, so, so that's the age group I do. So what, what I do now, I'm an AOD youth worker. Um, so I help um, youth um, with their mental health, um, to help to get off drugs and find themselves with that, put active lifestyle into it, um, put goals into them, hold them accountable. We were talking about accountability earlier. Mm. Um, someone to hold hold these people accountable, like the, 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 the youth that I'm working with. Yeah. But encourage them as well. There's a big difference between someone going, you're accountable, you're wrong, than yeah. someone going, well, how can we fix this? How can we get through it? And supporting them through it. So, And we use a lot of mindset stuff as well. Yeah. Um, mixing all that together with the program that we do, if you don't do all aspects, because it's not just one 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 thing fixes everything, that's how we fix. Yeah, um, so it's a multi, uh, uh, multi works. Like, approach, If you yeah. do all the all the all the things that you're doing, if you're doing the the counselling, you're doing the um, the tools that are put there, you put in the active lifestyle. You like when I do goal setting with people, people people when they're doing recovery, straight away go, what's your goals? Cut, stop using drugs. Do, well, what does that look like? And start yeah. to start to build. I was talking about connection before building connections with some of them with family that they have they've broken connections because of stuff they've been through, or connecting with friends, connecting with people outside of using and things like that. So building that all together is what creates change. So I do a lot of running. Yep. You were talking about before. <clears throat> um, 
I started off with just doing fitness stuff. I never thought that I'd run. The only time I ever used to run was from police and, yeah. and, 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 and now I'm running marathons. Yeah. Um, so my goal last year was to run the Melbourne Marathon um, and it nearly fell through. Life's a roller coaster. You're going to have bad shit happen in your life no matter where you are. Yeah. Um, so my, my lead up to that, I'll, my whole year was dedicated to running the Melbourne Marathon. Yeah. I was training hard all year. Um, unfortunately, my son ended up in hospital. So I was in hospital for 10 days with him um, and didn't train for six weeks because he'd had um, minor surgery. Yeah. Um, then I started training for a week and then got sick. I don't get sick very often. If I get sick, I'm sick for a day, but I was in bed for four days. I missed four days work and I don't, that doesn't happen. Yeah. So I had no training going into it, but I still do. I pushed it. It's mind over matter. It's like with anything in life, if you commit yourself to it. Um, and because I, I said that that's what I was going to do, it's about that accountability. I did it. Um, and now I run, all, run a lot, do gym all the time. And when I talk about being an active lifestyle for people, if anyone's listening to think of what they want to put into their life, if you're active, is walking around the block, that's that's big enough. You don't have to be running marathons to change things. I, I, and I do a lot of mindset stuff. Yeah. Um, talk about gratitude um, and how I explain to people when people go, some people sit there and go, there's nothing to be fucking grateful for, everything's shit. And we do fall into that victim mentality. Mm. But encouraging people to actually think of the things they appreciate. The best example that I use on gratitude that I say to people is I wish my brothers were here every single day. But losing my brothers, the experience that I got from that, and I wish they were here every day, but I... I'm grateful for the experience I got from that because I wouldn't be able to help the people I do. I wouldn't have the empathy I have. I wouldn't have the compassion. I wouldn't have the drive yeah. to make this, to make the world better. Yeah. Um, without that, so that, that's something that I teach people because that way you can appreciate things. Yeah. It, whether it's the weather, whether it's clothes on your back, food on the table. There, there, there's so much, and we talk about social justice. There, there's so much, so much inequality in the world. Mm. I th- well, I think just being in this country is yeah. probably, you know, it puts us, am- and I, d- I don't know the stats, but puts us amongst the luckiest people in the world, the richest people in the world. Um, we've got g- great, you know, the systems are never perfect and they never will be perfect, but we're doing a hell of a lot better than a lot of people in other parts mm. of the world, that's for sure. D- definitely. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, that that's really important to put all those things together. Um, and... If you are struggling, people are struggling, they, they should be reaching out. Like, I've always been very vocal about my losing my brothers um, and now I've actually learned about a lot of things to do with trauma and stuff like that. I used to talk about my brothers all the time because I didn't want anyone to forget my brothers. Mm. But it's actually a really good processing thing. Like people sit there and shut down and I know throughout the years you talk about losing brothers or drug addiction or suicide – some conversations shut off in that situation. Yeah. Whereas I make those conversations happen um, and that's a big driving force is finding purpose through trauma. Um, and like you said about people wanting to change, you've got to admit there's a problem. Yeah. And you've got to admit that this trauma is affecting you and be open to change because when we get into that pattern, we talk about a cycle and that can be addiction cycle, mental health, any type of cycle at all is we do things that are familiar. Yeah. And if we don't admit there's a yeah, problem... It's your default position, we, 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 won't, we won't break a cycle of anything. Even if... Uh, but back in the day, we, we, we scoring drugs. It was a shit cycle. But you knew the outcome. You knew what was going to happen. 
Yeah. Going to change is hard. Yeah. So so finding your people that are encouraging, environment's huge, um, to do with trauma and stuff like that because you want to be around people that support you. And when we're broken and when we feel like shit, we hang around those kinds of people. We hang around people that accept our bad behaviour and accept – so holding ourselves accountable, being connected to ourselves. Like, I, I, I put a lot of active lifestyle into it. Um, I, I eat healthier than I ever thought that I would and my body feels better for it. Um, and I, I keep trying to learn. I think that's a big thing as well, learning about ourselves, yeah. um, finding who we are um, is a good thing to break trauma. And – not um, falling into that victim mentality. The world owes us nothing, no matter what we've been through. And I think that's a big thing for some people. I, I, I know, which I found when I was doing stuff through the public system, there's a lot of people, because they don't get their Centrelink check if they don't yeah. do something like that, that they fall in that victim mentality. But if you step out of that and actually take accountability for what you're going through, there's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah. And I think sometimes there's a, a sort of sense of entitlement, isn't there, that the, the world, um, because of your experiences or whatever it might be, um, that you're entitled to a certain treatment. Um, and whilst we can have empathy for people's experiences, I don't think that that's ever a helpful um, way of looking at things. And no. I think you've encapsulated that really well. I, I don't think it is. And I, and I think that... I've heard a lot of people try and compare their pain and stuff like that. It's not about that. If you're sharing something, it's not about, oh, my pain's worse than yours. It's about sharing. Everyone's experience is different. If there was five people in the same room that saw the same thing, experienced the same thing, there'd be five different perspectives. Yeah. Um, and to, to, to move through things, you've got to accept things and not feel like the world owes us anything. Yeah. All right. Is, unless there's anything else that you wanted to... Um have a chat about I'll, I'll, I'll just say that if you know anyone struggling with addiction issues or mental health issues especially youth um, feel free to follow my um, Facebook page Vaughan Youth U Program or if you're a male struggling um, with mental health or need a place to vent um, the boys do a hashtag raise a pen chat um, and the hashtag raise a pen I'll actually say about that um, it's a free group um, on Zoom, they do a chat. Um, I used to be really heavily involved in it at the moment because of work and everything. I'd be going I, on, yeah. <laughs> and being a single parent, I don't have the time to do it. But hashtag raise a pen started when two of our members over a week um, took their lives, and everyone was about raise a glass, raise a glass. So we're having this conversation, going, "Well, why?" Like in a situation when, when, when someone gets married go get fucking tanked or people snort lines or smash them, write themselves off. Someone dies, they do the same thing. Their team wins a footy or loses the footy, the same thing. So we're like, well, how do we comprehend this? Like they're talking about having these conversations. Raise a pen, let's talk about it. Let's, let's talk about the emotions you're going through. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. So that's how hashtag raise a pen started. Yeah. Um, and there's they have the chat, the boys still do those chats um, once or twice a week. Um, depends on the availability and everything but it's a place for people to talk and have a conversation so if any males are struggling um, Victorian Brotherhood um, the private group um, just going to answer the questions and stuff on there but jump on there as well if you're struggling um, it's a place to vent um, and also because I'm very heavily involved with mental health and um, so suicide awareness and things like that if you're struggling use the crisis numbers if you haven't got someone you, you um, can call use just those services 
and to everyone else, if you know someone's struggling, send them send them a message. Reach out to them. Yeah. Um, this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, especially from being in a situation that I was that person that mm. I didn't want to be here. I I want to be able to help people. Yeah. Now, do you want to give the uh, the Peninsula Dolphins a plug? Yeah. Your new oh, rugby yeah, so league well, team. Well, well, the Peninsula Dolphins. Um, are starting up this year. We're starting juniors on um, our home ground of being bitten. Um, it's our inaugural season um, this year. Really excited about it. Uh, and I'm, I'm the vice president of the club, but it's, it's to get kids out there. Like my, my son, as we talked about, um, has got a few issues himself. He's got ADHD and PTSD um, and has some struggling social environments. Um, he played for the Frankston Raiders last year and it was absolutely brilliant for him. It was a great club down there as well. It was awesome um, because he grew as a kid. Like, and I encourage any kid that struggles in any of those type of environments with any of those type of issues, take them down to a sports club. Like, we, we welcome kids because it puts them all together. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll be um, – my son will be playing for a competing club yeah. this year, but um, it's great that there's now – that that's accessible to people that are further sort of down the peninsula, so that's fantastic. Uh, well, that's that's why we um, took the opportunity. When um, NRL Victoria approached us, that was our thing. Like, I I, I love playing for the Raiders, absolutely amazing club. But it was forty minutes to drive up there, forty minutes yeah. back, and there's all the people at like my son's school that we try to get to play for the club were like, oh, forty minutes is a long way to drive. That 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 that's an hour and twenty minutes. Yep. And and we're twice all busy, a week. That's we're... two hours and forty minutes. That's before you even play a game, and yeah. I, I fully get it. So it gives these kids more of an opportunity. Um, so I do sports trainer as well for yep. the kids. Um, I, I did it all last year with the Raiders, all, all the juniors and stuff like that. Um, and it's so good to see these kids grow and find an environment. We talk about um the the, the social injustice with things or social justice to get. Get your kids involved in stuff like this because it brings community. Community is how we create change of anything. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks very much, Vaughan, for coming in. Thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for and, having me. Um, no worries. Oi, 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 oi. IGA is shopping nights. IGA where the price is right. Seaford North IGA for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker.